0: Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blumson and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Hong Kong protests against a proposed extradition law that would allow criminal suspects to be handed over to China are continuing, despite a concession by the Hong Kong chief executive to suspend the proposed law. Naomi Rovnik discusses what's at stake for China and what the protesters are seeking to achieve, with Tom Mitchell in Beijing and Su Lin Wong in Hong Kong. Su Lin, can you remind listeners what sparked the recent wave of protests in Hong Kong and who the protesters are? So earlier this year,
1: the Hong Kong government proposed introducing an extradition law which would allow criminal suspects to be sent to mainland China to stand trial. I um, And this caused huge controversy in Hong Kong and was really unpopular across a very wide cross-section of Hong Kong society from ordinary Hong Kongers to the business community, to international companies that have operations in Hong Kong. And that really sparked all the protests we've been seeing and has meant that the protesters come from a very wide range of backgrounds. We have seen some shifts over the past few weeks. So while there have been peaceful protests involving millions taking to the streets, There are now also a smaller group of more radical protesters who are mostly younger, often high school students, university students, who have been resorting to more extreme measures to voice their discontent.
0: So, we had a very big rally on June the 16th, which was the day after Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, suspended that extradition bill. Two million people attended. How big a victory was this for the protesters and why did they continue protesting?
1: For a lot of the protesters, they were not happy with just a suspension of the bill. A lot of people are still calling for the complete withdrawal of the bill. And I think there's also general discontent about how poorly the government has handled this whole debacle and how disconnected Carrie Lam is from the Hong Kong people. But I would say that the suspension of the bill has been a victory for the protesters, but I guess in some ways it's also emboldened them to push for more. And the storming of the
0: Legislative Council, tell us what day that was on, why that was significant for China and was it a spontaneous
1: act or was it planned? The Legislative Council was stormed on July 1st, which is very significant because that's the anniversary of the British handover of Hong Kong to China. And every year there's a tradition of people taking to the streets in protest. And this year we saw around half a million people take to the streets. But what we saw on top of that was a smaller group of more radical protesters in the early afternoon start trying to break into Hong Kong's parliament and in the evening they actually did manage to get in and storm the legislative council. As far as we understand it it was something that was decided by a very small group of protesters on that day and that was for a number of reasons. The main one being that the protests we've seen over the past few weeks have been very organic and mostly leaderless because so many of the leaders of the Umbrella Movement which happened in 2014 have been jailed and so people are now very very cautious about revealing their identities and being too public about their protest activities. So as far as I understand, it was a small group of people who decided that day to try to take more radical action. And the fact that by about midnight, most people had cleared out of LegCo also goes to show that it probably wasn't that well planned. Otherwise, they would have probably had some strategy to occupy the parliament or stay longer term. And do you think it will prove to have been counterproductive, as some suggest? I guess that was one of the big fears amongst the more moderate protesters, that if a radical few did something like Storm LegCo, that could really turn a lot of Hong Kongers offside. But it seems like... Quite a few people have come out and said, while they don't condone the violence, they sympathise with the protesters. And they feel like, for many young people, the situation is so desperate and the government has been so disengaged that really what Storming LegCo goes to show is that the government needs to take a long, hard look at itself and figure out how to mend ties with the younger people of Hong Kong.
0: And Tom, The View from Beijing, how are the protests being portrayed in mainland China?
2: Well, for most of June, there were three large protests, two of them massive and overwhelmingly peaceful, and those received almost no coverage whatsoever. The shift really came on July 1st, relatively small group of Student youth-led protesters stormed the Legislative Council, and that gave the mainland propaganda organs images that they felt they could work with. They could portray this movement as something that was violent, images of people spray-painting graffiti on national emblems. They were very careful not to show any pictures of this. However, what you then saw were very angry editorials, diatribes read on the main evening news broadcast here about turmoil and chaos and all that. So that was the first time we had any sort of substantive coverage of what was happening in Hong Kong, north of the border.
0: And do people in mainland China have any sympathy with this desire to preserve two distinct systems of
2: government? In terms of the average reaction of the men and women on the street in Beijing or Shanghai or even Shenzhen, which borders Hong Kong, I would say there's not a lot of sympathy even amongst those people who do know what's been going on, who have software that allows them to evade mainland censorship. And in part, that's because of the antagonism that Actually, a lot of mainland Chinese do experience when they go to Hong Kong, the animosity that is often exhibited by Hong Kong residents towards mainland visitors because they resent what they see as the overall encroachment of the Chinese government over Hong Kong's autonomy. You know, an acquaintance of mine here who cuts my hair occasionally says it's, you know, it's hard to feel sympathetic for them because of how badly they treat us when we go there as tourists or students. So I wouldn't say there's a lot of sympathy in mainland China proper.
0: And Su Lin, on Sunday in Hong Kong, protesters marched through a shopping district popular with Chinese tourists and I gather even tried to share information with them. Why did they do that?
1: So the protesters have been pretty creative about how to voice their discontent and I think the protesters wanted to inform mainlanders about what was going on in Hong Kong, partially because it's been so hard for mainland Chinese to access accurate information about the recent protests.
0: What kind of information sharing techniques have they been using?
1: So they tried a bunch of different techniques. One that I thought was really creative was using iPhone's AirDrop function. So if you're in a public space and you have your AirDrop turned on, you can receive anonymous information from other iPhone users. So I got out of the subway and within one minute, I was airdropped three different times a bunch of different information, not only on the extradition law and the recent protests, but also on other sensitive information or information deemed sensitive by the mainland Chinese authorities that is very possible mainland Chinese shoppers wouldn't have heard about. So human rights lawyers who have been detained in China, Marxist students who have been detained in China, Uyghurs who have been detained in China, as well as recent protests in the Chinese city of Wuhan which were environmental protests over an incinerator. And that information was blocked in China. So for mainlanders, it probably would have been informative to get all that kind of information in Hong Kong.
0: So Tom, how do you think the Beijing authorities have reacted so far to the protests other than through their propaganda, which we've discussed? And what will they do next? Will they continue to back Carrie Lam?
2: So their reaction has been relatively calm. The extradition bill was actually something that Carrie Lamb initiated. It was not something that Beijing told her to do. But from Beijing's perspective, it was a very politically correct initiative, right? Because there are corrupt Chinese officials, corrupt Chinese businessmen criminals from china who are able to take refuge in hong kong and so when the hong kong government says we want to pass a bill that would allow these types of people to be sent back to face justice in china no chinese officials really gonna say well that's a bad idea they of course welcome it in theory but like carrie lamb they obviously did not foresee the reaction to it so they are guilty for miscalculating as much as she is. Now, the last thing that the Beijing authorities would want would be for someone they appointed as chief executive, effectively appointed as chief executive of Hong Kong only two years ago to be forced to resign because of mass demonstrations in the streets. It sets an awkward precedent for, say, mayors in China potentially leaders of the Chinese Communist Party. So far, it appears that they are not even allowing her because Beijing is effectively calling the shots now to formally withdraw the bill. That itself would be seen as too humiliating a step. So I think Carrie Lam is relatively safe as far as Beijing is concerned. The question is how big these protests continue to be. Uh, Beijing's hope is obviously that With time, they will become less frequent and um, attract less people, and that the issue will eventually die. However, the danger is that you continue, as we saw on Sunday, to get what looked like hundreds of thousands of people on the streets. And if that continues to be the case and it becomes evident that Carrie Lam really just can't govern effectively anymore, Beijing may have to reconsider her position. I mean, even the pro-Beijing political parties in Hong Kong are starting to criticize her openly, which is something that is pretty much unprecedented.
0: Su Lin, you've been talking to members of the business community in Hong Kong with ties to the mainland. How worried are people who make money out of this relationship about the future?
1: In terms of the Hong Kong business people I've been speaking to and their views on the protest, while a lot of them were initially very worried about the extradition law because it implicated them directly, for example, some of them were telling me that they have been doing business in mainland China for 30 years or so. And the way you operate in mainland China is different to Hong Kong and the rest of the world. So in order to get things done, they would often have to give gifts or give bribes and introducing a law like the extradition law could really be very risky for them and their businesses.
0: In that they might give a bribe, which is usual in China but not actually legal, then go back to Hong Kong and think it's okay, I'm back now. And then they might suddenly get swiped for giving that bribe if the wrong official got into power, that kind of thing. Exactly.
1: So that was one of the reasons why the business community here was so resistant to the law, because generally businesses here are not that politically active. During the Umbrella Movement, a lot of businesses really weren't supportive at all of the protesters and their push for universal suffrage, whereas this time around the biggest difference has been that the business community has come out and also voiced its concerns about the law. But I guess at this point in the protests... A lot of the business people I've spoken to think that the protesters have gone too far because Hong Kong's chief executive has suspended the bill. And in fact, today, Carrie Lam came out and again said the bill is dead. So I think for businesses now, what they want to see is stability. So I think their objectives now are somewhat at odds with the younger, more radical protesters who are still pushing for a complete withdrawal of the bill.
0: Tom, you said already that the Beijing government has been quite calm watching these protests. Do you think they could ever consider sending in the troops?
2: Only in extreme circumstances. That would be the last thing they'd want to do. Hong Kong is such an important place for Chinese companies to raise money, to adjudicate disputes. Because of the lack of a internationally recognized, fair and impartial judicial system, Chinese cities like Shenzhen, Shanghai, Beijing, they can't hold a candle to Hong Kong in that regard. So the Chinese government's instinct will continue to be to let the Hong Kong authorities handle the aftermath of this debacle. And it truly is a huge debacle. The only situation under which the PLA would be involved to restore calm on the streets, the Hong Kong police would have to lose total control And I think that's unlikely because the number of protesters who are prepared to take it to the police are relatively small in number. And the police can handle that section of the protest movement. The overwhelming number of participants are peaceful. They want nothing to do with that kind of protest. And therefore, you know, the specter of the PLA having to take to the streets of Hong Kong to back up the police, I think it's really still unthinkable at at this point.
0: One of the things I've always wondered is whether Beijing might go in with a more of an economic incentive somehow for the Hong Kong youth, because the protesters aren't just cross about the extraditional. They're also cross about low wages and high rents and living in cramped conditions and the lack of opportunity if you're not from the right family. How do you see this playing out? Carrie Lam has spoken about this.
2: So this is what Carrie Lam is trying to move on to, right? She wants to come out with a package of measures which are intended to address livelihood issues, poor education system, unaffordable property. And this is the stuff that, quite frankly, Beijing wants her to move on to. And these are initiatives that are for her and the Hong Kong government to proceed with. It's not stuff that Beijing would have a hand in and at a more general level in terms of encouraging greater financial and economic integration, you know, helping more tourists go there. That is all stuff that Beijing can do to help Hong Kong's economy and prosperity. But in terms of livelihood issues in Hong Kong, this is what Carrie Lam needs to move on with. She basically needs to present the people of Hong Kong with a new deal to give especially the young people more sense of hope for their future. The problem is she can't get past this extradition bill because the protest movement wants it withdrawn and she's refusing to withdraw it. She really can't move on to these other issues. And the question then is if the protest movement will only be satisfied with a formal withdrawal of the bill – and she doesn't give it, then will they stop marching? Will they start to demand more? For example, her formal resignation, genuine democratic elections for the Legislative Council and the Chief Executive. This is the predicament that everyone is in, really.
0: And Sulin, how do you see this carrying on?
1: I think everyone's very uncertain about what's going to happen. I do think one of the biggest mistakes Carrie Lam has made, and she's made a lot of them, is that when she did announce suspension of the bill, she explicitly said she was suspending the bill because of the violence that had broken out the previous Wednesday as opposed to the million-strong march that had happened. And that really has emboldened the protesters and is now one of their rallying cries. They say that Carrie Lam herself said they have to resort to violence in order for their voices to be heard. And for a lot of young people, they feel like they don't have a vote at the ballot box or they don't have a real vote at the ballot box. They can't peacefully take to the streets because their government doesn't listen to them. And so now they're turning to more violent protests. So it really doesn't look good. And it seems like every time Carrie Lam comes out and makes a public statement, it makes people even angrier. So today we saw her come out and again say that the bill was dead, but she stopped short of completely withdrawing the bill and so now the chatter online is incredibly angry and it seems like people are again going to protest because they just don't understand why she's repeatedly said she's going to suspend the bill, that the bill will die, that now the bill is dead and yet just won't go that final step and completely withdraw the bill. It really seems like she's completely botched this whole affair.
0: We'll continue watching with interest then. Thank you Tom Mitchell and Sulin Wong. That was Naomi Rovnik talking to Sue Lin Wong and Tom Mitchell. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on what a female-driven workplace would look like, political violence in Germany, or Vladimir Putin's views on the liberal elite, you can find them on all the usual podcast platforms.